and then fasting regularly as well because we know that mm. you know that turns on specific healing genes turns off the pathways that can lead to cancer uh, rejuvenates our, yeah. our stem cells and there's so many benefits Hello and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutritionist, and I'm the host on this podcast. And I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself. And on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, where we really look at lifestyle as medicine and really lifestyle as a way to tell our genes how to turn on, if we're going to express health, if we're going to express sickness and disease. And I've got a good friend of mine, Dr. V. She is the breast cancer conqueror. And so we're going to talk all things cancer, breast cancer, hormones. We're going to go through her seven essential system um, and how she's helping people all around the world, women all around the world to heal breast cancer, whether they're doing it uh, con with conventional therapies or without. Um, and so she really has coached so many people, I'm, I'm sure probably now in the thousands and uh, seen some remarkable results. And uh, she's really an inspiration to me and to so many others. And so uh, just a little bit about Dr. V. She has got a fantastic book and a great website. Um, and her she's, she's developed this seven essential system. That's what we're gonna really go through. And she's also the co-founder of My Breast Friend, which I wanna talk about as well. And her signature process has empowered thousands of women in over 44 countries around the world. Her mission is to change lives one breast at a time. Dr. V has personally conquered breast cancer twice, and we're going to go through that in our interview, which gives her an empathetic perspective to understand other women facing a healing journey. And her signature book, Heal Breast Cancer Naturally, is a number one Amazon bestseller in 10 categories and in five countries. So Dr. V, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me and sharing my message of hope with your, your audience. Well, absolutely. You have a fantastic message and you've helped so many people. And I've known you now for probably eight or nine years. You know, right. we've uh, seen, seen each other a lot at Truth About Cancer. You used to live in a similar area as me, uh, a little north of Atlanta. And uh, we both have a chiropractic background as well. And so yeah. why don't you share with, uh, with our audience your story, how you got into natural health and your story with breast cancer? Sure. Um, I mean, it really started way back when, um, you know, my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I'd been in practice for three years. I was determined to bring wellness to the world. You know, I had seen growing up what an unhealthy lifestyle was all about, and I did not want to live that way. So chiropractic was such a breath of fresh air for me. And as I went into practice, I wanted to share that, you know, that love for wellness with all my patients. When my father was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, the traditional treatments and doctors gave him no hope and basically sent him home to die, which he did in six weeks. And so, you know, we're think we're talking about 1983, right? No internet back then. So I, I knew there had to be a better way. So lots of research, went to the library, talked to 
different clinics, which were few and far between back then, and came to realize that there was something that could possibly have been done for him. So I applied all those principles to my practice. And as you know, the same type of practice that you have, you know, we see lives change. We see health being restored because they apply the principles and they do the work, right? And the body is an amazing healing machine. And then 23 years into my practice, I'm in the shower, I'm doing a breast exam and bam, you know, felt that lump that changed the course of my life, personally and professionally. And it, you know, it was very challenging because I was Dr. V, right? I was the one who was teaching everybody about health and wellness. And, uh, you know, here I was facing a, a journey with breast cancer. So I was going through the journey. There was no doubt in my mind that I was going to do everything naturally and support my body to heal because I understood cancer was just a symptom, right? It's just the tip of the iceberg. And as I started digging and, and creating my protocol, there were moments where I was pretty frustrated and, and overwhelmed and just, you know, figure, trying to figure this whole thing out. And so that's when I had that light bulb moment. You know, if I'm struggling, how much more so would the average person who didn't have, you know, the 23 years of professional experience that I did. So that's what led me to create the, a step-by-step -step process, the seven essentials. Basically, if you follow the process, each step takes you to a different avenue of your healing that is necessary for you to restore your health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so tough when you are, you're the doctor, you're the healer, and uh, you get diagnosed, and then it's, it's humbling. And part of you, you know, your ego is kind of, uh, is hurt, right? So you don't <laughs> want anybody to know about it. But then at the same time, you know, it's the, uh, the pain to purpose story, right? And so in that pain became your purpose, and obviously led to some in-depth study and, uh, you know, you devoted your life to this, to this, now this cause. And so let's talk about the seven essential system and how that works. Very simple. And I'm sure your audience is very familiar with a lot of things I'll talk about. But essential number one is let food be your medicine. And we know how our food impacts our genes and impacts our ability to heal. Pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, number two is to reduce our toxic exposure. So look at what you have in your environment, what you're putting on your body, in your body, um, regularly take time to detox and there's so many ways that we can do that and uh, number three is balancing your energy so looking at our body you know our body is one billionth physical matter the rest is all energy so how do we balance that chiropractic care acupuncture uh, making sure our hormones are properly balanced exercise proper sleep all those things bring balance to our, our health and body Number four is the emotional aspect. Uh, we know psychoneuroimmunology, right? Our thoughts affect our, our cells, our body's ability to heal. And so we look at the emotional component and really digging deep, whether it's you know, wounds from the past or not managing your stress today, relationships, spiritual issues, you know, all those things need to be addressed. Number five is the dental, uh, which is you know, looking at your mouth to see what's in it, whether it's amalgams, root canals, um, inflammation in the gums, you know, unhealthy bacteria, whatever it is that needs to be addressed in order for the body to heal properly. Number six is all the list of, you know, evidence-based natural medicine, the, uh, all the supplements, the medicinal mushrooms, the nutrients, everything that allows the body to heal, to get rid of those unhealthy cells and to boost the immune system. 
And then lastly is looking at very early detection, you know, keeping a pulse on your health. Yes, using some tests that are inside traditional medicine, but a lot of them can be found outside of traditional medicine. Things that can detect cancer at a very, very early stage. And so that way you can really keep a pulse on your health that way. Yeah. And so and then that, the seven essentials really covers the full gamut. And so, um, and you broke it down so nicely and succinctly there. And so I know that you developed cancer again, right? I think it was like 10 years after your first round. And so let's talk about that and uh, what you learned in that process. Yeah. Talk about uh, ego and, and shame mm. and <laughs> mm. yep. frustration and hiding everything. Yes. By then, so in 2015, and so I was now known as the breast cancer conqueror. I've been uh, coaching women for, uh, uh, well, three years. And that was, that was very tough, probably harder than the first time because I, I really had to ask myself, you know, am I a fraud? Does my system not work? What am I doing wrong? What have I missed? And I just, you know, I had to be kind to myself. I had to, you know, recognize that I was a woman on a mission and I was not living a balanced life. I let stress get the best of me. I was putting others first. Um, you know, there was still some emotional layers that needed to be healed and and um, some dental issues i had cavitations mm. which i didn't know mm. i had i had to balance my my hormones my thyroid was out of balance my i wasn't sleeping properly so all these things created the perfect storm for cancer to show up again a second time so you know as i went through that journey i had a lot more tools available to me compared to 2004 you know big shift in the natural world for cancer healing and so I was, you know, very focused, um, you know, did a lot of IVs and uh, applied the principles of, you know, ketogenic diet, mm. yeah. uh, really looked at, you know, so many different factors in my health. And um, I, you know, stayed in the closet, so to speak, because my vision was to be able to have that day where I could say, this is what happened to me. And look at me now again, I've done it twice. And so I had that moment. I had that yeah. moment back in the. Uh, 2019 so um or 2018 rather and um it was a proud moment and you know i've learned a lot and i'm happier and healthier than i've ever been yeah absolutely that's amazing so you mentioned the ketogenic diet so uh, how did you come about that and and what were your results like what did you experience as you uh followed a ketogenic diet well i remember um uh, hearing was not only Dr. Mercola, uh, and I forget his name, he wrote the big book on ketogenic. Dr. Thomas Seyfried. Seyfried, yes, yeah. yes, about the metabolic approach. And mm -hmm. then and then Dr. Nasha yeah. as well. And it just, it made so much sense to me because um, I noticed when I started juicing intensely again, that my blood sugar was rising and then I felt mm. very foggy and I just, it just, it just didn't feel right. And as I started putting these pieces of the puzzle together, I hired a, a ketogenic coach to, you know, help me maneuver. And I did it very intensely. Like for yeah. six months, I measured, weighed everything, you know, looked at my ketones, my blood ketones, my sh blood sugar several times a day. It was intense. Mm -hmm. um, after six months, I felt like I could relax a little bit and apply the principles and not be so strict and so hard on myself. And that's basically the lifestyle that I live now. Yeah. You know, try to keep those carbs, those sugars low, lots of healthy fats, 
high intense, short bursts of exercise. And, um, you know, I feel great. Mm -hmm. Were you applying intermittent fasting at all as well? Absolutely. Yes. And still do still do to yeah. this day. So it's, it's such an important aspect of, of healing and then, and then fasting regularly as well, because we know that, mm. you know, that turns on specific healing genes, turns off the pathways that can lead to cancer, uh, rejuvenates our, yeah. our stem cells. And there's so many benefits to, to fasting and intermittent fasting. So let's talk about like a day in the life, like what, when, when, are, when is your eating window? Like what, what hours are you typically eating on a regular basis? What are in your meals? What do you okay. try to load up on with your meals? Let's talk about that. All right. So typically meals can be anywhere from noon to one. Mm -hmm. um, and then, um, you know, I don't eat typically after 6.30 or 7. So that's my, my window, about six it's hours. It's kind of like a six hour so, eating window, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, lunch, so my, you know, break fast or lunch, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call it, can be anything from, um, you know, a salad with a bit of protein. Um, sometimes it could just be an egg and a piece of bacon or, you know, something like that. Um, dinner is pretty much the same, lots of vegetables and small amount of protein. Pretty simple. What are, what are some of your favorite vegetables that you like to get in? Well, cruciferous, of course, mm -hmm. uh, because of the, you know, what they can do for our yeah. um, liver detoxification and helping with our, our hormones. Um, so everything in the green family, um, you know, onions, mushrooms, lots of, you know, mushrooms and that sort of thing. So um, bone broth is another favorite that I like. Collagen, I also use collagen. So mm -hmm. uh, pretty simple, but it's, it's good. I enjoy it. Absolutely. Are you a fan of broccoli sprouts? You try to get broccoli sprouts, things that's like that. My, yeah, that's my, that's number, my number one. Yeah, my number one food, actually, yeah. uh, because of the high content of sulforaphane and sulforaphane turns on over 200 genetic switches and it kills off breast cancer stem cells, which mm. you know, many people don't realize, even though they've cut out the tumor, they've radiated it or poisoned it, whatever, there's still some residual breast cancer stem cells or circulating tumor cells that could be floating around the bloodstream that can later cause recurrence. And broccoli sprouts is a wonderful way to eliminate those little things circulating. Wow, that's great. How about kale sprouts? They, they probably have a lot of the same sulforaphane content, I would imagine. I know broccoli sprouts are kind of hailed, but I've seen mm -hmm. kale sprouts at Whole Foods. Yes. Um, so I imagine those would probably work as well. Yeah, yeah. and eating microgreens, yeah, uh, micro you know, things like radishes and, and cabbage yeah. and um, kale, you know, they're, they're so potent and they're so tiny. Yeah. Um, those are yummy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about breast cancer screening, okay? Because obviously in our society today, there's a big push for mammograms. I think it's like every woman over 40 is supposed to get one every year. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of risks, a lot of dangers with mammograms. So what are some better tools that people can have? Yes, mammograms are uh, definitely what they've, are not what they've been you know, portrayed to be. Um, many studies showing that low dose ionizing radiation along with compression can lead to increased risk for breast cancer. Um, there was a 25-year study, Canadian study, done on 90,000 women, and they found that mammography did not decrease breast cancer mortality, not even mm. by 1%. Wow. 
Um, so as a, and of course, I'm not going to legally tell women not to get a mammogram. Sure. Um, but if they do, if they choose to, make sure that you always use a secondary tool. No, no one screening tool is, is 100%. So if you choose thermography, for example, as a backup, thermography um, is non-invasive. There's no pain, no compression, mm -hmm. no radiation. It reads the infrared heat coming off of your body. And it can determine if there's inflammation, if there's blood flow feeding a tumor years before it's seen on a mammogram. It may take six to eight yeah. years for something to show up on a mammogram, just a few years on a thermogram. Big difference. Because really the breast tissue, especially when you're looking at the breast, breast tissue is typically not very vascularized, right? It's mostly fat tissue. So mm -hmm. you shouldn't see a lot of heat because it's really your vascularity your really active tissue that you're going to see more heat on a on a uh, thermography report. So that's kind of what's picking up is extra metabolic activity. Is that correct? Correct, correct. It's not going to diagnose cancer, yeah. but it's going to show you the physiological changes that are happening. So, for example, if there's a small tumor that may be developing, you know, teeny tiny. Cancer cells are very smart, right? They're going to create their own blood flow. So you can literally see the blood flow being formed to help feed that tumor. Uh, if there's hormonal imbalance or if there's inflammatory breast cancer, which is not detected by mammogram, you'll see lots of heat, lots of mm. inflammation. So it's a great, great screening tool. Um, then to add to that is ultrasound. You know, mm. ultrasound again yep. is, you know, no radiation, no pain. It's a, a great screening tool to look at the physical changes that are going on in the breast. And so you mm. can determine the difference typically between a water-filled cyst versus a solid cancerous tumor. So that's a good tool as a backup for either mammography or thermography. So ultrasound is really looking at the structure and thermography is looking at the physiology right? Correct. The function of what's happening there. The function, yeah. So yeah. yeah, so that's a good combo. And now how about like self-breast exams? Um, you know, being a man, obviously, this is not my area of expertise, but um, <laughs> I've heard that, you know, women should be doing this on a regular basis. And I know you came out with a product, My Breast Friend, to help women with this. Yes, very excited about this project. Um, so to put things into perspective, you know, we've never been trained you know, to be able to know what we're feeling. And the biggest complaint that I hear from women is, I don't want to do breast exam because what if I find a lump or I don't know what mm. I'm feeling, my breasts are so lumpy anyway. And so there was a, an organization called Mammacare Foundation, which was created over 30 years ago by uh, Dr. Um, Mark, uh, forget his last name, sorry. Um, but he, uh, he created this product with the help of the National Cancer Institute, the National Science Foundation. And basically, they created a uh, breast model that would teach hmm. clinicians and nurses how to find a, a typical breast lump in women's breasts. So we know that uh, women's breasts are very nodular, right? And you're going to yeah. feel some lumps. But a tumor feels very, very different. And so what you're looking at here are literal uh, replicas of tumors that were removed from women's breasts. And so the manufacturer and um, Dr. Mark asked me to take this to the market so that women could now learn how to do a proper breast exam. And so the, the product is called My Breast Friend. 
and it's got a little teaching booklet inside. It comes with mm. a video as well. But this gives you an idea of the size. Now, the average woman who does not know how to do a proper exam is going to find something this size, the size of the ping pong ball. When you're properly trained and you, you know, your fingers know what they're feeling for, then you can find something as small as a pea. And that's a huge difference when it comes to longevity. Yeah. Because if the tumor is one centimeter or less and it hasn't spread, you're looking at 88% survival rate over mm. 15 years. So that's huge. That's huge. huge. So it's really, it's, it's teaching women, you know, what to feel for, how to feel the breast tissue. There's a whole process that we go to and where, you know, it's not just the breast tissue, mm. but you really have to go into the collarbone, armpit, down the side, underneath and yeah. up the, the uh, chest bone. So um, it's, a, it's a great tool that's backed by science. Um, there was a study done, a 20 year study done on hundreds of women and they compared mammography versus breast self-exam. They found the mammography found a tumor 43% of the time and that a breast exam, whether it was an accidental find or a, you know, a breast self-exam mm -hmm. also found it 43% of the time. Mm -hmm. But then when you add clinical exam to that, it brought it up to 56%. So touch literally was more effective in finding a lump than a machine. So Yeah, yeah. And for those of you guys that are listening, what she put up was actually basically like a replica of a breast. And they had these little nodules in there. And so I, I imagine, I haven't felt it, but I imagine the nodules are going to feel a little bit hard. Right. And so, yeah. and then different sizes as well. Now, I would imagine that most women aren't really noticing it until it gets large. And so, what you're encouraging is use this model to get, to get your fingers, you know, you're building kind of this kinesthetic awareness uh, of what it would feel like. And then, as you're, you're checking yourself, you're going to be able to have that sensitivity to pick up very, very small nodules that, again, like Dr. V was saying, if you pick it up quicker, your survival rate, right? And the amount of therapy you might need is going to be a lot less because it's, you know, still in the earlier stages as opposed to if it's larger. Is that correct? Exactly. Correct. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you find something and you go to your doctor and they say, they poo-poo and they say, oh, it's nothing, but you feel like this is really important or you feel in your mm. gut something's not right, then press the issue, get another mm. doctor, get another yeah. opinion. Um, but make sure that you you monitor and, and so for women too under the age of 40 They're not encouraged to get any type of screening. Mm. They don't go for exams um, And so this is a, a very priceless tool for yeah. you know for all women because it can really have a huge impact on your long-term health Yeah, this is great because I know you sent one to for, for my wife to use I don't think she has yet, but I, I've seen it sitting in our bathroom and okay. so now I'm like, okay, now, now I know how it works. Okay, <laughs> now I got to show go. her how to do that. That's so, right. you know, it's always one of those things. Once you become educated with this, um, I think it's, uh, you know, I think that's a really great invention and uh, something ideally we, I wish we had, would have had years ago. Um, and so you guys can find that. It's mybreastfriend.com. You know, mm -hmm. if you're listening on YouTube, we'll have a link. But uh, if you're not, just mybreastfriend.com. Check that out. Um, and you can get one of those, right? They're inexpensive yeah. and yeah. Um, you, know, you only need one, right? And that's right. You know, you're developing a skill that could save your life.
So, uh, so definitely check that out as well. So let's come back to uh, the seven essentials. You talked about oral health and how that was an issue for you, the cavitations. So let's talk about some of the issues that people have with oral health and how that plays a role in cancer. Okay. So there's really two main categories when it comes to oral health. You know, there's the physical aspect um, then, and the chemical aspect and then the energetic aspect. So if you have an amalgam or a silver filling, it's 50% mercury and mercury is the most toxic element on the planet. They put it in your mouth, even if it's with other metals, it still releases methylmercury vapor, which is extremely toxic to your nerve system and all the cells of your body. Um, then we talk about root canals. You know, root canals happen when your tooth is too decayed, so they want to keep the tooth. They fill it with things that are estrogenic or very toxic, and uh, that creates a dead focal site. You know, your, your teeth are living organisms just like your organs, so it's like having a dead appendix or dead gallbladder in your body, right? It's dripping toxic mm. um, you know, toxins from the anaerobic bacteria that are sitting there at the, at the base of the root. Um, you know, and typically, you know, we find that uh, women who have breast cancer have some dental issues, you know, whether we've tested it energetically or through the blood or, you know, they just let us know that they, you know, their dentist sends us the films, you know, we see there's a, a connection. And then from an energetic point of view, you know, our teeth are connected to our organs through the acupuncture meridian system. So there's specific teeth, top and bottom that are connected to the breast tissue. So if you have a hunk of metal, a root canal sitting there, then it can lower that chi energy or that life energy flowing through the body to that organ. And then you mentioned cavitation. So it's not cavity, but it's a cavitation. Cavitation literally means hole in the bone. And that happens as a result of an infection. So if you've had an extraction and was never properly cleaned out and it seals over, then it starts brewing and it creates a little infection. And literally, when they go in there and clean that site out, it's like a green, gooey substance. It's really, really toxic. And I had no idea. I'd never explored cavitations before. Yeah. Um, and so I had a 3D um, scan of my mouth. Called a cone beam, right? Beam, yeah, yeah. cone beam scan, yeah. And of course, the, the dentist who did it locally in the Atlanta area said, oh, you're fine. And then I sent it to Dr. Nunnally in Marble Falls, Texas. You know, mm -hmm. he specializes in this kind of work. Yeah. He's also, he was also on The Truth About Cancer. And um, he looked at it, he said, yeah, you got four. So I went there and had the surgery. It was painless, wonderful experience. Highly recommend this clinic. So um, cavitation is definitely something yeah. to look at. And a lot of people get their wisdom teeth taken out because you know their mouth's too small, they get their wisdom teeth taken out. So they don't really think they have an infection, they just got their wisdom yeah. teeth taken out. And that can yeah. be a site for cavitations. A lot of times, yes, I've seen that very often in, in the wisdom teeth. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if somebody has a root canal, should they go and get that tested and possibly taken out? What do they do when they, um, when they remove the root canal? Well, I'm not a dentist, but I always say if it were me, if it were me or if it were, you know, with my daughter or granddaughter, yeah. I'd say pull it out. Yeah. Um, and don't put something back in there that's mm -hmm. going to perpetuate the infection, like drilling a piece of metal 
and getting an implant um, into into your jawbone. I mean, I've I've rarely seen any uh, implants without potential problems. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go back to thermography real quick. So, typically with thermography, people are getting, you know, when they get their first thermography session, that then they typically want then to get one three months later, right? And then kind of every year because you're looking to see changes. Is that correct? Correct, correct. It's it's very similar to the mammography screening. You know, you get your base one, and then three months later, you want to get checked again because when they look at the images, if there's changes or if there's more heat patterns, that means that there's something that may be brewing. If it stays the same, then that may just be your pattern. And you know that you're stable, get checked a year later, and you know, then you're good to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, typically I know in uh, my clinic, we offer thermography. Um, and I believe it, it is, is it your daughter's company? I believe. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't sure if she was your daughter or your niece. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So she runs one of these companies and they go around and, uh, you know, they rent space and, and do thermography. And my, my patients always, they always rave about the great service, uh, the comfort level. Many of them have had mammograms before. So, you know, it's not uncomfortable like mammograms are. And uh, the, the results are really interesting. They're really fascinating. And they're read by, you know, uh, a radiologist trained in that. And again, it's not a diagnostic tool. However, um, you can really see a lot of physiological um, changes that may take place during that period of time. And you can see inflammation and fibrocystic activity and things like that. So, uh, so I highly recommend the thermography. And uh, like you said, you can back it up with the ultrasound as well which can give you the idea of the structure. Which so many companies now, which, you know, my daughter's company is doing this. They also offer ultrasound mm. at that same appointment. Yeah, so that's it's, great. It's a great, great opportunity to just get screened twice. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. How about breast implants? What's your thoughts on breast implants? And do they make it harder to, to actually look for breast cancer? Actually, well, yeah, I mean, breast implants, you know, we know, I mean, there's, there's a, actually a disease now called BII, breast implant mm -hmm. illness, and it's been well documented, you know, autoimmune diseases, infections, pain, um, capsulation, which causes a lot of restriction and adhesions and movement. Um, and when, and when they remove the implants, I mean, they, and they, they, um, measure what's in there they see all kinds of molds and bacteria it's a very very toxic site you know think think of a, a little sliver that goes underneath your skin i mean what does your body try to do it tries to you know get rid of it or push it out it gets infected if you don't clean it out properly and same thing with an implant it's a foreign material that's put into your body and your body's immune system naturally wants to reject it and get it out of there so absolutely there's problems with you know autoimmune diseases and other other issues with their health and then uh, being able to detect cancer for sure um, you know, thermography is, is great because it will be able to, you know, look at the physiological patterns. Mm -hmm. um, and even a breast exam can help you to, you know, determine some women have found that they could actually feel where the implant has broken and they would never have done that had they mm. not started checking their breasts. Yeah, absolutely. And ultrasound is good as well, right? Yes. See if like the, the implant was damaged. Yeah. 
Because a lot of women are walking around with leaking implants. Yes, yes. And fortunately, there's a younger generation now of women in their 20s and 30s that are creating awareness about mm. breast implants. I mean, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate, but with women, you know, their image is tied into the size of their breasts and, and you know, mm -hmm. what they look like physically. And it created such a, a movement for women to enhance themselves surgically in so many yeah. ways. And now I'm seeing that's reversing, which is great. Yeah, which is really good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about some of your, your favorite uh, cancer-killing foods, foods and herbs. And we talked about broccoli sprouts, cruciferous a little bit. What are some of your other favorites? Well, definitely um, looking at all the green family, right? Mm -hmm. uh, all the kales, <clears throat> all the cruciferous vegetables, which is a whole list of them, getting those in regularly. Um, and then you look at nuts and seeds, you know, flax mm -hmm. seed, for example, yeah. definitely at the top of my list. Um, there was a uh, study done in the University of Toronto a few years ago where they fed women five teaspoons of ground flax seed in a muffin before 30 days before they were having surgery. So they measured the markers before and after. And I'm sure the muffin had, you know, had sugar and was made with yeah. white flour, but nonetheless, they were getting five teaspoons of ground flaxseed every day. While it lowered not only the size of the tumor, but the markers from mm. anywhere from 30 to 73%. So wow. just from ground flaxseed alone, you know, so we know ground flaxseed is a plant estrogen. It has protective effect. It helps to lower the circulating effect of you know, some of those aggressive estrogens, perhaps that are not being metabolized properly. Um, so definitely add that. You know, sprinkle it on your salads, put it in your, your blended drinks, your smoothies. Um, it's just a you know, great, great food to add. And then nuts and seeds in general, you know, walnuts, uh, quarter cup of walnuts has been shown to decrease breast cancer risk. Um, mm macadamia nuts almonds you know and make sure that they're sprouted you know so let them sit in water for about eight hours dry overnight and then then you can eat them yeah now with the nuts do you think it's the plant sterols the fiber the you know some of them have short chain omega-3 fats do you think it's a combination of all of that what uh, what do you think are some of the key factors there yeah, combination and trace yeah. minerals, you know, yeah, things minerals like magnesium, well. yeah. zinc, selenium are, are, you know, food is so deficient. And so yeah. getting those trace minerals in is so important. Yeah. What are some supplements people should be looking at to prevent cancer? And then also if they have cancer, what are some of your top go-tos? Well, definitely start with vitamin D, right? Yeah. We know that uh, vitamin D is not really a vi vitamin, it's more of a mm -hmm. steroid um, hormone and it you know, it affects over 200 genetic switches in our body. Making sure that your vitamin D levels are optimal can reduce your breast cancer risk by 83%. And of course, supplementation is great. If you take vitamin D, make sure you take vitamin K with it. Uh, but sunshine, you know, yeah. sunshine. Someone moves down to Naples. and uh, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> sunshine is the, you know, the best remedy. So you can yeah. definitely get your, you know, your vitamin D that way. Uh, we mentioned, you know, the trace minerals. Iodine is extremely important. You know, iodine is essential for every single cell in our body. It kills cancer cells. And we're so iodine deficient because of all mm. the fluorides, bromides, um, 
chlorine, you know, all of that that we're exposed to because it binds the iodine and, and competes with the receptor sites and gets mm. rid of it. So make sure you, you um, supplement with iodine. Um, you can do that with uh, seaweed, you know, sprinkle some dulse, uh, nori wraps, you know, those sorts of things. So do you think that people, that a lot of people need iodine supplementation or what if they do eat, um, like I know there's sea snacks, I don't know if you're familiar with those, mm -hmm. yeah, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. like olive oil, seaweed, and salt, right? It tastes great. Right. They're strangely yeah. addictive, like it says yes. on the uh, on the wrapper. <laughs> if they were eating something like that regularly, uh, like wild caught fish, you know, seafood, things like that, do you think they they would get enough iodine from that, from food? Well, the key is to test, and this is one thing we recommend. Uh, we recommend doing an iodine loading test. So basically what that is, is you um, take a, a capsule that has iodine in it, um, you collect your urine for 24 hours, and goes to the lab. If there's lots of iodine in your urine, that means you're probably not deficient. But if your body you know, sucks it up and there's very little in the urine, that means you're iodine deficient and then you should supplement. So I always say assess, don't guess, right? When it comes right. to your health, always test. So that'll give you an idea of how much iodine you should take. And then important to monitor your thyroid because too much uh, iodine can yeah. make you hypothyroid. Um, so, you know, make sure that you work with somebody who can help. Can you be iodine deficient? Have you seen somebody that's iodine deficient, but they're making optimal amounts of thyroid hormone? Not, there's usually, there's usually a problem there, you know, and you there's can tell symptomatically. Be, there's going to tend to be, uh, some sort of hypothyroidism, whether it's subclinical, right. Or, you know, clinical diagnosis there. Yeah, symptoms, yeah. you know, you could tell, you could look at the, you know, their hair, their, their yeah. fingernails, um, you could, you could tell. And, and then the, um, you know, if they have a lot of cysts in their breasts too, mm. uh, that could be an indication. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Really good to know. Um, some other supplements, what else, what else are you looking at? Um, uh, medicinal mushrooms are great. Yeah. Um, there's, and you know, there's very specific supplements that are, uh, really pointed towards, you know, the anti-cancer world. So things like poly-MVA, uh, which is uh, basically palladium, which is a trace mineral with alpha-lipoic acid. It's mm. very, very potent for the mitochondria. Um, things like uh, Oracel. Oracel is a glyconutrient and mm. it doesn't kill the cancer cell, but what it does is it disables the cancer cell's ability to create nagalase. So nagalase is an enzyme that puts cancer cells and your immune system to sleep. So you may be producing cancer cells and your immune system, the macrophages are literally put to sleep. They don't detect them. So the oracel, which is a glyconutrient, is sucked in by the cancer cells and destroys the cancer cells ability to produce that. So your immune system wakes up and goes, whoa, there's cancer cells here. Let's, let's go to work. That's interesting. Is that similar to how the GC math works? GC math would help activate, yes, the uh, vitamin D and the macrophage receptors. So yes, mm. in, in, a, in a similar way, because it definitely wakes up those macrophages. Mm. Um, berberine, wormwood, um, artemisinin, you know, there's, there's just, there's a list of so many of them. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about emotions and how emotions play a role in uh, in cancer <clears throat> oh wow emotions are huge um there was an 11 year study done on women who had breast cancer and they found that women who had community support 
and learn to manage their stress had a 79% decreased risk of dying. 79%, that's huge wow. over 11 mm, years, huge. just from those two little things. Yeah. And so what do we mean by managing stress? Well, look at your life on a daily basis. If you're an average person, you're gonna be running with your pedal to the metal, right? Your sympathetic nerve system is gonna be on high. Yeah. And we know that when that's on high, that's going to create pathways that can create cancer. Right. So we want to get that parasympathetic or that break of the nerve system to calm that down so there can be healing. You know, mm. you can't heal your body if you feel like you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger, right? You've got to calm that down. And so looking at, you know, your lifestyle and your, your stress level, are you taking the time to meditate, to pray, to journal, to really calm your body down? And then looking at your emotional wounds, you know, from your past, from your childhood, the things you're dealing with now, your relationships, and get help, you know, because we know that um, just like our, our body can become ill, our emotions, our heart can become yeah. ill. And so sometimes we need professional help to guide us through the process. You know, I'm a big fan of EFT yeah. and tapping, you know, that can really help shift yeah. things quickly. Yeah, there's something called limbic retraining with EFT and some other techniques. <clears throat> and people are getting amazing life-changing results with it. So, <clears throat> and I know you've yeah. actually, I think you were one of the first people, you and Dr. Mercola were, were some of the earlier health influencers that really brought this in. Uh, with Back in the 80s, yes, early yeah. 80s. It was, uh, and yeah. I, you know, I got certified. I used it in my chiropractic mm -hmm. practice. And, and obviously we yeah. use it with our community now. And then another, you know, there's all kinds of books that we recommend, but to understand um, how your mind can be the placebo, you know, you are the placebo mm -hmm. by Dr. Joe yeah. Dispenza. It, you know, it shows you that we have all the chemistry we need between our ears mm -hmm. to heal our body. And so really creating that belief system and practicing it every day. Yeah, just so powerful. Absolutely. Well, Dr. V, what, what are you most excited about? What are you working on now? And where can people find out more about you? Well, I would have to say that uh, my excitement right now lies in our, our newest project with my breast yes. friend, because I really feel that that's going to change lives and save lives. You know, once women can, can feel confident in doing a proper breast self-exam. Uh, they can find me at breastcancerconquer.com on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and my breast friend has its own website as well. Um, so feel free to reach out to us. You can just email support at breastcancerconquer.com if you have any questions and you feel like you need some guidance in maneuvering your journey if you're struggling with a diagnosis. Yeah, that is uh, really a great contribution to the natural health world um, and to the overall medical world as well. So, uh, so thank you for making that. And um, also, you've got a tremendous book as well. So, uh, it's called Heal Breast Cancer Nat Heal Breast Cancer Now. Is that correct? No, Heal, Heal Breast Cancer Naturally. Natural. There, yeah. that's yeah. right. So, fantastic book, guys. Very, very easy read. Um, packed full of information. Easy action steps. Definitely one of the, I've read many different cancer books and Dr. V's I read probably five years ago or so. And I still think it's one of the best I've read. So oh, out, outstanding you. book. I would highly recommend it for yourself or anybody that you know, you know, giving it to passing it along to somebody else that you know that uh, may have had a history of breast cancer, maybe dealing with it right now or a family member. Uh, fantastic book, really empowering, gives, gives people a lot of action steps, 
lot of things to do. And you also have a great podcast as well, right? Yeah, we do. We have a podcast on iTunes and uh, doing well. I think we interviewed you yeah. way yeah, back, back then. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, Dr. V, I just want to find. I just want to finish by really acknowledging you just for being, um, you know, an amazing spokeswoman for breast cancer, for doing things naturally, and uh, you're very empowering. Just the way that you speak, the way that you carry yourself, present yourself. You're so empowering. You've made such a difference in so many people's lives all around the world. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. Oh, thank and, uh, you. Thank you, David. That's very sweet. I absolutely. And that's that. why I wanted to have you on because you're always up to doing great things, impacting people's lives. And your message is, is a message that uh, needs to be heard all around the world. So, thank you. Thank you for sharing my message of hope. Yes, absolutely. And for the listeners out there, I just want to remind you that you're more valuable than you think. So take action today, go out, start improving your life and your health. And I know things will get better and uh, you'll start living at a deeper and uh, more passionate level. So anyways, guys, be blessed. We'll see you on a future interview. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.